Full Court Fits is The Ringer's new weekly NBA video series hosted by Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozni Lambre. Each week, we take you around the world of NBA fashion and share can't-miss style choices from your favorite players and keep you up to date on the latest news and releases in sneaker culture. Waz also talks to experts like Damian Lillard's personal stylists to give you behind-the-scenes looks at how the NBA's biggest stars choose their outfits. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed to The Ringer's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer so you never miss an episode. It's The Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out Live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. group chat i am justin verrier joining me rob mahoney big wise and all of the people of the spotify green room thank you for joining us for this game one nba finals reaction podcast uh what a time it's only 8 46 i feel so fresh i feel so spry um <laughs> with this, uh, we had a couple days off here Waz is just his time after this game to just go read Catcher in the Rye like he usually does at night. <laughs> yeah, shouts to is that the is that the one with Holden Caulfield in it? That was one of my summer readings in high school. Catcher in the Rye. I'll never feel. It was like a really sulky ass teenager. That's all I remember about that book. I think that's the one with Darth Vader. Actually, oh okay, hmm. there you go. <laughs> Rob is a fan. I could tell. Huge fan. Yeah, obviously. All right, so big game tonight. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo showed up, uh, surprisingly. I couldn't say his name properly, but we're still surprised that he was there. Uh, Let's start here, Rob, because there are a lot of different things we want to break down. Uh, What was the difference for you tonight in this game? Oh, big question. Um, We start broad, and then we narrow it down. It's like the inverted pyramid. Honestly, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about the Bucks' defense a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought their problems were stalling out on offense, not getting enough from Drew Holiday at all in a game where all three of the Suns' core guys really showed up. And if that's going to happen, Drew has to play bigger than this. I I don't mean to put like everything in his lap, but it kind of comes down to that sometimes. Yeah, I think they looked good very early on as far as they kind of understood what Phoenix was trying to do. And they were like, look, 
It's something we've been clamoring for all playoffs long. The Bucs said, look, we're bigger than these guys. We're going to attack the offensive glass. We're going to get the ball to Lopez down low on switches. Another thing I like that they did, because um, they started, and I know we're going to get into their defense, but they started from the get-go switching everything. Yep. And I thought Phoenix handled it very well. But what they also did was on the cross matchups, they were looking for Brooke down low. Right? Like, they were like, all right, Brooke was on a small guy. We're getting the rebound, grab and go, go find him. So I like some of the stuff that they were doing very early on in that regard. Yeah, I mean, some series are about who makes contested jumpers. And there was some of that with Chris Paul hitting some really tough shots mm -hmm. in this game. But it was also a lot of the Suns converting a lot more of their interior looks than the Bucks could. And some of that is just like, if P.J. Tucker is going to get an offensive rebound, P.J. Tucker's not great at layups. And so you can be bigger, you can be the more physical team, and you can still end up coughing up some of those extra opportunities. Yeah, we should get to that later lineup that the Bucks put together and had some success later on in the game. A little bit later on, I do want to focus on this first half, though, because it did seem like everything the Bucks were trying, the Suns had a solution for. Like, they tried switching, like you said. They, they tried a little bit of a drop there toward the end, and it just seemed like Chris Paul was solving it. And on the other end, it didn't seem like, even though they were bigger, even though Giannis and Tedekumpo was out there, they just didn't have much success in the paint. 14 for 29, the Bucks were in the first half in the paint. Both of those things are really surprising. Uh, Waz, do you just think that's a case of the Suns coming in with the right game plan, Chris Paul just being able to foil whatever they have, or something just like mechanically wrong, line up uh, wrong with the Bucks? See, to me, I like the Bucks' process. If I'm going to have Brooke Lopez, if I'm going to have Chris Paul taking 18-foot fadeaways over Brooke Lopez as what you guys think your best option is on that end, I'm fine with that. He made them today. And Booker made a couple of them on the switch. He had a couple of times where he got Lopez in the air and drew a foul. So the process can be a little bit more sound. All I want to see Brooke do is try at least a little bit to hurry Chris Paul up, one. And two, dribble past me, Chris Paul, because he actually wants to get into that two-point that two fadeaway from 18 feet, and he's walking into it. I think Brooke, what he has to do is make him do a lot more thinking, feel a little bit more harried. I know it's Chris Paul. He's one of the hardest people in the history of basketball to speed up. But that's the only critique that I would say. Go ahead, Chris Paul. Murder me from 18 feet. I think the real problem is... On the back end, where they're drawing the switch, and DeAndre Ayton, man, I'm telling you, he's a switch killer. It's incredible mm -hmm. to watch because we did watch the, the first round, the Clips versus the Mavs, where Kristaps Porzingis could not beat a switch. He could not beat the little guy whenever they switched onto him. Ayton is chewing that thing up, not just on post touches where he catches it, does a quick move, and shoots it over the guy, but lobs. He's getting in transition. He's just... He's making the switching offensive proposition a difficult one, way more so to me than Chris Paul and Devin Booker shooting fadeaways 19 feet away with outstretched arms of a seven foot five guy. And you can see the respect that the Bucs have for that just by the fact that they're putting PJ Tucker on Chris Paul so often. They're so worried about that backline lob or just getting it to Aiden for those little like six and eight foot hook shots. They've rearranged their entire matchup structure to deal with that. But I, Waz, I'm with you. I mean, 
I think one way or the other, you're going to have to live with Chris Paul and Devin Booker hitting some of these shots and taking mm-hmm. some of these shots. You can we've see, We saw them drop in this game and they got those shots. We saw them switch and they got those shots. But you also pinpointed it in terms of trying to speed up Chris, trying to speed up Devin Booker. And some of that is even, too, just getting them later into the clock where the clock starts to speed them up. You know, you can you can right. switch. You can switch as your default defense, but you can try to reject the switch at first. Make them work through one or two rescreens until they get the matchup they want by having Drew fight through stuff. Sometimes it, it's as simple as that. And, you know, getting the clock to do your work for you. Right. And so the Bucks do in the second half, go small, put Giannis at the five to start that fourth quarter. They come back. I think they pulled within seven at one point. It seemed like they had finally found something that works. But then our friend DeAndre Ayton came through once again, as he has this entire playoffs. And I mean, clearly the Bucks are going to have adjustments. We'll expect them to maybe come out smaller sooner, if not just maybe even to start with. But I mean, maybe Bud will just get wild in the finals and just decide to just wear his party hat this time. Um, I doubt it, but we'll see. I, I do wonder if ultimately we are headed toward the conclusion that we've kind of had this entire postseason where it's like the Suns can just account for anything. They just have the ma- the lineup that you really can't go small against. You can't go big against because they could do that with their base set is like Rob, Rob for you is, does that seem like the case that the Suns just kind of have that ultimate like Trump card for all these different lineups or I don't know. Did you see something with the Bucks did later on in that in that fourth quarter that like maybe they could build on for this next game? Well, I mean, if you could play Giannis at the five for 48 minutes, that would be a pretty good solution. But in the state he's in and even just at the level he plays at, that's not a very realistic option. So all of these, you know, Giannis's health and the defensive strategy and what Chris Paul and Devin Booker can do to you. These are all interrelated ideas. And I think one thing we've learned throughout these playoffs, and we saw it in this game especially, is we knew Devin Booker could be a killer, but in this game, I mean, he was a surgeon. He was so precise in terms of the way he was drawing multiple Bucks defenders, setting guys up. The playmaking was awesome, and just picking and choosing his spots. We already know that Chris Paul can do that, and when you have two guys who can do that at once and you can stagger them, someone on the floor is always playing with that level of precision. That's going to be really tough for the Bucks to beat. Yeah, and I think the thing about Booker, he didn't shoot particularly well from the field. Uh, I think he was like 7 of 19. But guess what? Like Rob just said, every time he got the ball, he felt like he could do something decisive against the Bucks, any Bucks defender one-on-one. There was no indecision when Lopez gets him on a switch or PJ's guarding him straight up or Drew's guarding him. He felt very confident getting into the teeth of the defense and again, to reiterate what Rob's saying, it's like he's spraying, he's spraying this ball out to shooters in the corners, corner three-point shooters to guys like Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. And Cam Johnson specifically, who's been an inferno all playoffs long, right? So I think that's something I would be worried about. Chris Paul isolating at 19 feet, even against Brooke Lopez, who you got to not like that matchup if you're the Bucs. That's fine. But I think the way Devin Booker feels the energy that like there's nobody on this team that could stop me from getting to my spots and bothering me, that's something I would be worried about if I was Milwaukee. I really just want to fire off my takes on this pod with the confidence of Cam Johnson letting loose in the corner <laughs> every time. Oh my God. What a what a whole what a playoffs from him though. I know. I my thing with the Bucks though is it just doesn't seem like they have an answer. You know, like it seems like they were. This is game one. This is game one. 
Well, it's been the story of their entire postseason where it's just like they never feel comfortable when they have everyone. They looked more at ease in their offense. They didn't look better, but more just the flow was better without Giannis than they do with him. And obviously the ceiling is way higher. It's through the roof with Giannis here because he can, he's the type of player who can go toe to toe with Kevin Durant. You just saw like right from the jump when he was even, uh, he was just, just looks prior than anyone should coming off of the injury that he had. He was getting to the foul line. I mean, that's an issue in, in its own right, but like everything just seems gummed up. And especially when they have all these bigs on the floor. When they don't, their issue is then you're relying on the Bryn Forbeses of the world. Then you're relying on Pat Connaughton and they just don't have enough wing depth. So it's kind of just like, it's pick your poison. And I don't know if either one really gives them what they need. That's my concern overall. I understand the concern. I think the Giannis thing, again, the defense always informs the Bucks' offense because their half-court defense, I mean offense, excuse me, has been so terrible. All po- not sorry, not terrible, inconsistent and unreliable all postseason long. They've had their games where they went crazy on people, but for the most part, you don't know which offense they're bringing on a night-to-night basis. And so they have to get stops on defense. Yep. They have to get buckets in transition. Transition Giannis is the best Giannis, right? Like he's he's the best transition player since young LeBron. Like seriously, right? So if they're not getting out... And trying to manufacture points off the offensive rebounds, those point blank layups, which again, you got to make them when you get them, and getting them in transition, they haven't proven themselves this postseason to be consistently good enough against set playoff half-court defenses to get it done. I think they got to figure out some things on the defensive end um, going forward in this series if they're going to really do what they have to do. And I also think that Giannis's knee is going to get better as the series progresses. This is the first time of game action, right? You can't simulate game action in practice against your brother, right? Like, <laughs> he had to do this game action to sort of get his sea legs under him and understand what it is he needs to do, the spots he has to get. I have confidence that he's going to look much better as the series progresses. Depends on which brother. You know, if, if it's Costas, you know, like he's looking pretty good these days. That he's an NBA champion. Oh god, yeah, the Nasus, but yeah, but the the Nasus plays every game like it's the last possession in the history <laughs> of man. He, he probably plays harder than anyone on the Suns except for Jay Crowder. Like you're getting five fouls even in practice against the Nasus. You do have to hope though that as Giannis is getting healthier, the transition play that Waz mentioned is so crucial, and that was one area where I thought his his spryness was a little bit deceptive. You know, early in this game, we saw Giannis blow by some guys' baseline for dunks, working out of the kind of ISO post stuff. That's great. When he was in transition, he wasn't full Giannis. Like, he was looking Mm -hmm. to pass. He was looking to set guys up. He wasn't plowing through, you know, the space between two defenders in the way he usually does. And if you don't have that, that, I mean, that is a huge source of offense for the Bucs. And so that's when we're talking about, you know, what their defense is doing wrong and why it feels so overwhelming that Chris Paul is stepping into 16 and 18 footers <laughs> is because you're not scoring at all on the other end. And so that starts to build the pressure in the game and turn it against you. Yeah. And, and then we're pretty much just hoping and guessing 
that Giannis's knee will get better as this go, goes along and not worse. And cause you would yeah. think like, yeah, he has more time in between games. Maybe he could do whatever herbal medicine treatment that they were apparently doing on him 24 seven in order to get him right for this game. Can he, can he go vegan between now and game two? But <laughs> <laughs> well, Waz, you're an expert here. Dr. Waz, did, do you, did the, did, did the knee look better to you? Do you think like this will be a recurring issue for him? How many aspirin do you think they taped on it? <laughs> Listen, I don't I don't think he's going to be fully right by the end of this, but I think he's going to feel confident enough on it to to attack. It's just it's just a lot different when you're playing an in-game competition. And honestly, the reason the reason why I thought Giannis was going to be able to come back when a bunch of Twitter doctors told me I was a complete idiot. Uh, I remember that, Twitter doctors. Apologize <laughs> to me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no, the, re- the reason Based on why your, is- your sound medical advice and your PhD, they yeah, should have yeah, listened exactly. to you. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a doctor. MD. MD. <laughs> no, MD, but I'm the, sorry. But when the Bucks came out and said, yo, he didn't tear anything. Like, it's not... Nothing is, like, structurally wrong with it. It, like... That to me just meant like, all right, it's not like he's going to need some surgery. He needs time off, off of it. And he needs to like basically be cool with being slightly uncomfortable with it not being 100%, right? Like that's all that meant to me because they would have came out and said, look, again, everybody except for the Clippers, normally when people tear something, (laughs) ACL or whatever, they come out and just (laughs) say what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like that they didn't. I was like, all right, he's going to come back. I just think he's going to, feel stronger as the series goes on. He's a young guy. Um, and, you know, it's the finals. You know, not that anybody needs to be reminded of that. I think he's going to play play better as this thing goes on. Yeah, I think the problem is the book on Giannis is out now. And one, he's probably been peer pressured to the point where even when he does take a three, he knows what a bad decision it is. And on the other end, <laughs> if he wants to get buckets at the rim, he's going to have to earn them. He's going to have to power through everyone. And in particular, they're going to put him on the line and make him earn those. And so like, there really is no good solution for him and his best pathway to points is to be physical on a bum knee that you don't even know if it's even 100% healthy. That's like, that's tough. That's really tough. And the more that the Bucks go small, the more that the Suns are going to challenge him to move laterally and work that knee and strain it and push it. And that, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Giannis kind of seemed to fade a little bit over the course of this game. Like his best offense came in the first quarter. In the fourth, he was running. He was trying to play the role his team needed him to play. But a lot of their offense, even in that stretch where they were coming back in the fourth, was coming from those perimeter guys. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, It is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Do you want to talk about Drew Holiday now? I I feel like this this is just a big conspiracy so he can remain underrated. 
that like, <laughs> <laughs> like going forward, he everyone will just whenever he has a big game, everyone will be happy that he'll they'll get that. He's setting the expectations low because they're pretty low right now. He finishes with a near triple double, but four for fourteen, zero for four. And I just go back to the big picture again. You build your big three around one transformative superstar and two all-star-ish level guys. And it's really tough when those two other guys are not to the level of your number one guy. You know, like you could you could have maybe one of those guys, you could have a Bosch or whoever filling into that third role, but like you're really counting on Middleton and Holiday to be your Harden and your Kyrie. And like Holiday in particular is just not living up to this. And I it's at the point where I don't know, like, are they ever going to get more than one big game of series from him? I think they can, but I mean, he was just like turning down good shots in this game. Like he just seemed so in his head about what he was supposed to be doing on offense. And it it hurts for him when, if you're going to play a switching defensive style, you're taking away some of his capacity to impact the game there, right? Because if he's going to be guarding whoever's screens and runs off to the corner, what is Drew Holiday supposed to be doing if he's also having an off offensive night? Yeah, and my thing with Drew Holiday is you're bigger than the three primary ball handlers on the other team. Like, you're much bigger than Campaign. You're much bigger than Chris Paul. You're even bigger than Devin Booker is, right? So, like, you either need to be taking set shots, spot-up shots. I'm tired of the step-back Drew Holiday life. I don't need that. You're cl- That's clearly not a strength of your game. If you have a three and your feet are set, fire because you're actually gumming up the works when you ball stop that way and just be like, all right, I'm going to put it on the floor. Oh, I'm going to pass it. You got an open shot, take it. But you should also be taking these guys to the cup, man. You should be trying to get to the line. You're bigger than them. Force them to put their body on you and get some fouls that way. He's doing a decent job with his floor game and, you know, sort of setting guys up, right? Like, as you said, he had a damn near triple-double tonight. Like, he's doing a decent job of finding dudes, but I think... He's got to cut out the fat. He's got to take the the dribble, 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 shoot it stuff. Early, mid, I don't care what time of clock it is. You shouldn't be taking that, Drew Holiday. And he's got to be looking to attack these small-ish slight guards on the Phoenix Suns. And you got to be looking to push, man. Like, push. Push. You're supposed to be an athletic wing. That's supposed to be a strength of yours is your speed, your quickness. You know, you are getting some rebounds. Push the ball. They have to push. If the Bucs don't play with pace, they're not scoring. They, they, like, we can't say this enough. They're not a half-court offense. Mm-hmm. It's not what they do. They got to push. Yeah. I joke about the underrated thing, but this really is the flip side of all the things we used to say about Drew, like that he's so cerebral, he'll fill in the gaps. Well, now he's filling in the gaps when you want him to be just a premier, like score first player. You want to be able to turn to him and say, here, Drew, take the reins. Like, it sounds hot takey, but it's the truth. But he's looked his most comfortable when Giannis wasn't there the last two games of that Hawks series. It just seemed like you didn't need to push him into being aggressive. He said this after game, I believe it was five when he had that first big game without Giannis, the Bucks win. And he's like, yeah, like I agree with Shaq and all those guys in the TNT booth. Like, yeah, I need to be more aggressive. I like, it, I don't know what it is. It's just like something I need to get like myself into. And it just seems like he floats when those other guys are around. He doesn't know when to call his own number. It's almost like it's the flip side of him being so pass first and such a good teammate. It's You actually need him to be more selfish. 
Well, and the flip side of him being versatile, where you kind of fall yeah. into the cracks of a game. It's it's really tough for him in that way, but Waz nailed it. Like if you if you're Drew Holiday and you can't drive campaign and finish over the Suns backup bigs, you're going to lose the series. Like it really is that cut and dry. You need to absolutely dominate those minutes in particular. Like Chris Paul is pesky. That's a different kind of matchup. I get it, but you got to beat the Suns backups. And yeah, we got to give the Suns we got to give the Suns their credit, right? Chris Paul comes out in the third quarter. He's aggressive. He dropped 16 points in, in the third quarter. Basically, that quarter is what gave them the separation that would end up being the difference in this game. DeAndre Ayton on defense. I don't care if it's health defense. I don't care if it's on switches. I don't care if it's on the boards. Like, you name it, he did it for the Suns. He continues to be an absolute workhorse. And, you know, obviously he's not ever going to be better than Luka Doncic. But if you have the type of big man who can anchor your defense credibly against all kinds of defensive matchups, I don't care if it's jitterbug guards, big men trying to pound him in the post, guarding, guarding guys out to 25 feet, and you can't put little guys on him on offense where he's punishing switches, that's an extremely valuable player. Like, you can look around throughout the whole playoffs who could do that. I, I didn't see one. Like, the only person who theoretically could do it was AD, and he wasn't around, right? So it's like, it's Aiton. We we kind of killed Rudy for that same reason. Rudy Gobert, right? Like, you're the $200 million man. You don't catch the ball around the rim. Pat Bev is guarding you comfortably. You know, that's not the case. Aiton all playoffs long, when they put these little little tiny dudes on him, he's like, listen, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to eat consistently, so we got to give him his props. Rob, you love big men. <laughs> don't, don't, don't I ever. I mean, he didn't need any more validation to secure his next contract to get that mm-hmm. max, but he just he's just racking up the profit on top of it at this point. He's awesome. I feel like every series he adds another giant gaudy chain. He's just like he's stacking them like <laughs> like years right. off of like his latest victims. That's right. <laughs> it's been it's been wild to watch here. But I mean, I, I guess we if we're just handing out uh, plaudits here. I, I guess we also have to give one to Chris Paul, who yep. yet mm-hmm. again, man, I've started to write down Chris Paul's total point total at half because I know I'm going to have to look back on it to see how much he scored in the second half. And if you're wondering, he had 11 in the first half. He finishes with 32 and nine assists. Uh, your random factoid of the day, courtesy of ESPN Sports and Information, Paul is the first player with 30 points and eight assists in a finals debut since Michael Jordan in 1991. Jordan was probably what, like 28 at that point, and Paul is 36. So, uh, a little bit of a difference there. But the fact that he's 36 and still taking over a game and was, was the deciding factor, I would say, in this one is still pretty damn crazy. And it wasn't the fact that he was like just dominating Brooke Lopez or just beating one type of coverage. It was everybody. Like, Brooke Lopez left, the, left this game, and Chris Paul did just unconscionable things to Bobby Portis on national television. <laughs> and, and if you want the Bucks to go small, that kind of means you're, you're making peace with the fact that you want Pat Connaughton guarding him or, or uh, Bryn Forbes guarding him in a switch. There's no good answer when a guy's going to do that. And I think, you know, as, as we hit at the top, you're going to have to live with him hitting some tough shots. And on, on a, in a game like this, he hit every tough shot. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. 
Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. So I think our friend Vance in the chat asked this a little while ago, but does this series look different if the big ragu is in here? If Spicy D, Dante DiVincenzo was on there on the wing with that small ball lineup, would you feel better about the Bucs? And do you think it would have made a difference in that fourth quarter? No. I mean, like, no, you feel better about a team having a player that's missing, of course, who's, you know, a, a, an important part of their rotation. I would feel better. And I know Suns fans are going to get mad. I'd feel better if the Bucs actually had their best player was healthy. Er, right? But he's out there and he's making a difference. And I think he's going to continue to do that. But I don't think this is a Dante DiVincenzo loss. This is a straight up, you couldn't stop these dudes loss. You just couldn't do anything with them. And, you know, Monty Williams, give him credit, man. He was prepared. Uh, he prepared these guys for looks where they're like, they're not even throwing the lob to Aiton off of the switch, they're throwing it to somebody else so that he has a better angle to then throw the lob to Aiton. Like, they're they're coming up with counters. They were ready for everything the Bucs wanted to do tonight. This, this is my thing about, you know, the Bucs come out in this game switching from minute one. Everyone online hates it immediately. <laughs> they, go, they go to the drop. Everyone hates the drop. And if you, if you hate both of those things, basically what you're saying is you want them to try like more of a hedge and recover type of strategy. Okay, that's fine. But if you watch this game, the Suns are such good like swing passers, this kind of like tic-tac-toe connect the dots passing that Waz is talking about. It's not really a big deal for them if they need to hit a middleman and they pass it to Aiden while you recover. They can do that stuff too. Maybe you want to put more pressure on the Jay Crowders and the Mikhail Bridges of the world to make those kind of like impact passes and plays in real time. I can understand that logic, but it's not an open and shut thing. This is a really hard team to guard top to bottom. Listen, Rob, if 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 it comes down to Chris Paul, 38-year-old, um, beating <laughs> me from... Okay, 36-year-old <laughs> beating me from the top of the key off of the dribble all series long. I got to tip my hat off to you and just... I got to give you your props. Like, that's... Those are the hardest shots in basketball to make. Okay? Well, there's hardest shots, but I'm saying that at least you get three points for them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, these contested long twos are what you work your ass off on defense to generate, even from a Chris Paul, who's one of the best mid-range shooters in the history of the game. So, to me, it's got to be about that. It can't be about Aiden catching dunks on my head the whole time or Cam Johnson taking wide-open corner threes. And that's mm -hmm. the thing, too, is if you're the Bucks and you're only taking 16 threes in this game, or sorry, you're oh, no, sorry, no, they're, sorry, they took a lot of threes in this game, only made 16 threes in this game. That was the issue with 
when when the Suns were hitting all their twos, you got to be able to trade some of that stuff for threes. You got to be able to at least win that kind of margin if you're going to force them into these contested 16 and 18 footers. They just weren't doing that. Yeah, and that's where I think DiVincenzo could help a little bit. I do think they need to skew the math back into their favor. And that gives them at least one more credible shooter amongst a crew that like for, for a team that's built around just threes and layups, my God, like the, the amount of shooters that you could actually count on to hit a three are like it. And it starts and finishes with Chris Middleton pretty much because Drew's like a competent shooter. Brooke Lopez comes and goes depending on what series it is. PJ Tucker's corner three. I mean, again, same as Brooke. Like, so you're really down to one. Well, you, you, have, know, you, have, you have Forbes too. And I thought but, it was tell, but he takes away something on the other end. That's the problem. Yeah. I think DiVincenzo could at the very least like hold his own at, at the risk of the DiVincenzo mythology, getting a little out of control here. We're getting dangerously <laughs> close to the edge here. I do want to say too, like he is a guy who commits a lot of bad overreaches and fouls and gambles a lot. He's exactly the kind of guard you do not want on the floor in a Chris Paul series. So, yes, he could give you good minutes. If you, you know, if he's filling the 10 Jeff Teague minutes in this game, the Bucks are probably better off. But I, I don't want to go too far on the, the difference that Dante DiVincenzo is making here. I trust anyone with a goatee. They just look more distinguished. It's like, it's like the <laughs> that's your first mistake of, of glasses. <laughs> I'm just looking at him right now in basketball reference. And I think to myself, uh, I trust this guy. You know, no. Okay. Um, uh, another question we have here from Dylan Strine, uh, Jay Crowder, Finals MVP. Book it. <laughs> so our guy was zero for eight from the field, zero for five from three point land, one for four from free throw, game high plus nineteen. That's got to say something. He was, I think, the guy who first got in Giannis's head about being aggressive though with with the charge he drew on the baseline before that Giannis was kind of getting to his stuff getting to the basket whenever he wanted but if you can put up some resistance and make an injured player start to think about his moves a little more and be a little bit more deliberate I think there's there's definite value to that Jay Crowder is a really a really useful player even sometimes when he's scoring one point on zero for eight shooting let's have the actual finals MVP discussion here so it's game one it's no, game one. We're, we're, we're making favorites here. All right. Okay. <laughs> is, is Chris Paul just off the board right now? Like, is there yeah, anyone yeah. even in like 10 spots of him? This is one. I think LeBron was legitimately the best player in the NBA finals last year. However, it was very close. Right. I don't think anything in the neighborhood of Chris Paul being kind of good and the Suns winning this thing sees him not getting that finals MVP. So it's got to be, it's got to be, if the Suns win, Chris Paul wins, right? Mm -hmm. Like th that has to be the case. And, you know, if the Bucks end up winning, it's going to go to Giannis. And to me, it's a two-man race. There's no way you're giving Chris Middleton your final. That just, I mean, we already did that silliness when we gave it to Iggy because LeBron only <laughs> dropped 40 a game or something like that. That was I wild. Don't know what the, I don't know what the excuse was for giving it to Iggy. Um, but yeah, I don't think we'll be doing that. It's either going to Chris Paul or Giannis. We talk about the Russell Westbrook MVP and what a travesty that was way more than we talk about Iggy. <laughs> no, Iggy in the finals was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And the thing is, because 
The stupid thing about Iggy as finals MVP was that there was chatter about LeBron winning it on a losing team. So if he played good enough to win it on a losing team, how could Iggy have stopped him well enough that he deserved <laughs> finals? If that doesn't make, that just doesn't track to me. Right. And then of course, uh, the part about like Steph just being the clearly the best player on the team. He's clearly the reason they won the finals. Like clearly, you know, whatever. It wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be Chris Middleton winning. It would be DeAndre Ayton winning. Like <laughs> not not only not only like a third Hipster, or fourth guy yeah. in the pecking order, but like a guy who is directly uh, who, whose value derives from the actual best player in the right. way that Iguodala's did Steph. Like Chris Paul, he creates so much of what's going on there. I was just gonna say this seems like a very internet writer uh, contrarian take, Rob. Shouldn't DeAndre Ayton be the main competition for Chris Paul? <laughs> Almost getting a 2020 game, 22 and 19 rebounds. You're just going to take that away from him? Like Chris Paul <laughs> took away the last rebound of the game? Yeah, what was going on there? <laughs> he just he didn't, he didn't want him padding his stats. Mm. See? <laughs> Controversy, man. I will say, I my... My alarms did go off a little bit when Chris Paul was on the bench getting some attention from the training staff and the trainer started selectively positioning the towel boy to to stand between Chris and the camera to completely obscure view on whatever they were doing with Chris Paul's hands. I assume replacing it with some kind of like robotic hand that he could finish this series with. <laughs> very, very strange. Lots, lots of weird little stuff on the margins of this game. Like in T2? You yeah. Just like... <laughs> Like takes off the skin and to reveal like an exoskeleton. This series is going to end with Chris Paul sinking into a pit of lava with a thumbs up, slowly <laughs> descending into the lava. Hasta la visa, Devin Booker. Um, <laughs> speaking of Devin Booker, a stat coming through on the wire here as we're going along. Uh, ESPN has Bucks going one for eleven on shots defended by Devin Booker. Wow. It's not a stat. Not not a stat? (laughs) It's not a stat. Devin Booker is some expert shot contester. Like, dude, (laughs) come on. (laughs) That's a stat about the Bucks half-court defense is what it is. Or half-court offense, sorry, is what it is. Exactly. Right. Let me ask this question. This is one from user Justin Verrier. Uh, Would Hmm. the Suns look this dominant had either of the other East favorites made the finals instead of the Bucks? Like, so if we're dealing with the Nets here, if we're dealing with the Sixers, I guess you could throw in the Hawks there as well, since they actually made the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Still wrapping my head around that one. Do you think, like, the Suns would look this dominant? Is it more matchup dependent, or is this where we would end up inevitably, the Suns just just being this good? Was this a dominant game? No, but I mean, they they handled them pretty easily. It was dominant. It's an NBA Finals game. You're supposed to be evenly matched. This is supposed to be one of the best teams in the NBA. And you get out to a 20-point lead in the third quarter. That's a pretty dominant performance, in my opinion. Whether you say it's because they got hot or whatever, I thought that was dominant, what they did. Um, And I get that after the five-point, six-point play or whatever that shit was, it kind (laughs) of snowballed after that. But I thought it was a dominant performance for sure. There's no doubt they were in control. I'm just, in my mind... The Bucks are, I think, within single digits or at least within 11 in the fourth. Sure. They had their opportunity to go at this thing. They just couldn't quite pull it off. I, I see lots of like make or miss swings in this game, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could have it could have unfolded very differently if, you know, again, the Bucks make three more of their first half layups that they just biffed. 
Right. And and but to to Justin's point, um, if if you're telling me the Nets are healthy or, you know, drink at home, Waz talks about another team and injuries. Um, <laughs> Doctor yeah, Waz, obviously the Nets to me make this thing look a lot differently. If if you just give me one of Kyrie and James Harden, right? I think it just looks a lot different. But you know. The, them bees the breaks, you know, sometimes you get injured and, and that's life. Yeah, true to form, it is a lot about who's healthy. If Giannis is healthy, maybe this game is different. If, yep. like you're saying, if the Sixers are there and Embiid is fully healthy, maybe it's different. Yeah. And obviously with the Nets guys too. I remember someone, I don't know who it was, was tweeting earlier on when the injuries started to flow, like, well, this is what it is this time of year. It's not about who's better. It's about who's healthy. And I thought to myself, that's some bullshit. <laughs> like LeBron James was in every fucking finals for a decade. And you're going to tell me it's all about health. It's he was healthy. Who was, he was healthy pretty much every time though. At least he was, Le, he was LeBron healthy, you know, right. like dealing sure. with whatever. Come on, sure. man. He had the broken hand. Don't forget that. Don't forget the hand and, and the elbow. He had a couple of nicks <laughs> there. Right. Yeah. He had his own exoskeleton <laughs> at this point. <laughs> But yeah, I you know, and and you know, that was that was definitely early on that was the take, right? It's like guys, you're overreacting, you're prison of the moment, get over it, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, it just kind of got it snowballed, man. Like everybody got freaking injured. So, you know, it is what it is. I enjoyed this game. I think this series is gonna be extremely competitive. I thought Phoenix's crowd was amazing. Yeah. Um, I never really thought of Phoenix as a crowd city, but <laughs> apparently they are. And I thought that was dope. Well, and every member of the crowd looks like a member of Papa Roach somehow. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. I'm glad you said that and not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the Suns have turned into like Alabama football just overnight. But more power to them. It's just, I guess everyone's just looking to to get out there and, and yell about something. Luckily, it's it's more for, for good reasons and not the bad reasons that we saw earlier in the postseason. <laughs> um, adjustments? You want to talk about this game too going forward? Rob, if you are Mike Budenholzer, you yeah. have on a very nice half zip pull up on right now. Uh, and you're combing your beard in the mirror and you're thinking to yourself, what do I do with this game too? What, what are you changing about the game plan? I think what I'm trying to do is I'm trusting the intelligence of the defenders I have on the floor and starting to juggle coverages a little bit more mm -hmm. where it's, it's mm -hmm. not so much we're going to do switching for a while, then we're going to do drop for a while. I'm letting guys make more calls in the moment. I'm going to say Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker, figure it out. Like if, if this is a switch situation, switch it, talk to each other, crack that. Because the more you you put that moment on your defenders, the more you're putting it on the Suns to figure it out too. You're at least putting a moment where Chris Paul has to read and figure out, oh, is this where I'm going to pull up? Is this where I'm going to you know, slow play this thing? I basically need to find ways to get the Suns to stall a little bit more than they were because they looked super comfortable because they knew exactly what they were bumping up against. Yeah, I think the point of the switching defense is to get the opponent to play in one-on-one. -on -one. And you got to have faith that, all right, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, y'all better be ready to go one-on-one -on -one for 44 minutes. It's on y'all to score very tough buckets 
against some of the best defenders in the league in Giannis and Middleton and PJ and Drew and have at it. That's what your goal should be. I, I really do think this strategy was sound. Now, do I think, like Rob said, they need to be a little bit more unpredictable in who and when they're switching things. Sometimes the guy can fight over it. Because we know Prince Paul's not just going to rise and fire from three. His windup takes like seven years to get off. Like, that's <laughs> not a thing that he wants to do. So be smarter about how you're doing it. But yeah, I, I thought the strategy was fine. Yeah, you have more time to defend that pick and roll than you think. Because mm -hmm. the guys that pop, like if, if they have to go outside, you know, Aiton as a screener and start working in bigs and you're having like Crowder set screens or Bridges or Cam Johnson, I'm not really, I, I'm not worried about my ability to get and recover to them quickly enough. I think you can do that. And Chris Paul, as we've hit on, is not a guy who blows by you all the way to the rim and beats your rotating coverage. He's just not. Yeah, make him put the ball on the floor. Like, take me to the rack, Chris Paul. Show me that you got some type of Kyrie Irving type of finishing ability. Uh, save for that, like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So Bucks and six is what I'm hearing from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked against the Suns and literally... Every series. Is, no, I didn't pick against them in the Nuggets series. But yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Bucks. Give me the Bucks. <laughs> Wait, seriously? Yeah, yeah, I'm picking the Bucks. <laughs> just playing the odds now? I'm just like, picking the Bucks. Is this the I, Ethan Strauss? I'll, I'll pick the. I'll make the pick nobody else is picking, so I'll uh, look smart I after that. Yes, exactly. And, it, and when I'm wrong, nobody will remember. <laughs> nobody remembers, exactly. Uh, Rob, what do you think? I have no pick. Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I hate this so much. It's sports. It's fun. No one is going to come looking for you if you get it wrong. No, I, th I think Suns and Six. Thank you. <laughs> Mike Bob. Lewis said, get out of here, Watts. Come on. <laughs> um, I'll go I'll go Suns and Five. A nice little gentleman sweep here. Um, I don't know. I don't have much faith in the Bucks after this one. Which game do they get? Is it the true gentleman sweep where you get the three the three O Suns lead and they squeak one in? You think they can win before that? I think so. Yeah, they're they're young. You know, maybe they'll be like so. Is it sowing their oats or feeling their oats? What are they, what are we doing with oats these days? Hopefully nothing. <laughs> Keep <laughs> yeah. the oats out of this. Just do it in the comfort of your home, whatever you do. Yes, uh, with your oats. But yeah, no, I, I I could see them just like losing focus for a little bit and letting one slip away. And then Chris Paul will come back and we'll say, Chris Paul's got this. Mm. He's the one that rallied them to the finish. And there will be many uh, feature stories written about that. Um, all right. That's it for us. Uh, unless, Waz, you want to talk about the sideline reporting tonight. Did you like what you saw out there? I thought it was fantastic. Everybody <laughs> was professional. Everybody had great information. Everybody was just solid team it was all players. Great. Yep. Uh, Fantastic. We, we loved it out there. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. I believe we're on Wednesday next week uh, for whatever game that is. I think that's four. So uh, we'll see you then uh, for Sasha Ashall on production. Sasha Ashall on production. There you go. Uh, Patrick Muldowney. Second. <laughs> Pat Patrick Muldowney. Patrick Muldowney on the green room, just shepherding us through for Waz for Rob. I am Justin. We'll see you next time. Bye.